Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at ko-online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new martial artist talking about their journey through the world of martial arts and, and everything they're involved in. My guest today is an author, public speaker, podcaster. He founded Karate International Durham in 1980. He's promoted over 400 students to black belt, was one of the first martial arts instructors to integrate martial arts into sports with UNC football in the mid-80s. He's been recognized by organizations throughout the country for his contribution to martial arts. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Jesse Bowen. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a, uh, it's, it's, we got our first, I'm in up in Minnesota. We got our first snow today. So I'm a little depressed about that. <laughs> wow. I'm in North Carolina and it's really a, a nice day. Yeah. It's I think 31 or 32 degrees and, and kind of crappy outside right now. So I'm not looking forward to going outside later, but. You know, that's what I get for living in the Midwest. <laughs> so what we do with all of our guests, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to know where it all started. Where was that first spark, that first interest? You know, what got you first involved in martial arts? Wow. Well, you know, it's, it's still fresh in my mind. I grew up as an only child and I never could defend myself. I was picked on. Today, they call it bullying. Back in my day, it was called being a coward, you know. For, for me in my era, the word bullying is something new. Yep. Uh, back in my day, if you didn't fight back, you were just called a coward and people picking on you was okay. You know, you're supposed to fight. And I wasn't a fighter. And at age of 21, it was a guy on my job. I was a general machinist for Rockwell International. And a guy on my job, we didn't get along. And he was studying something called Taekwondo. I didn't have any idea what that was, but I did go to see the movie Enter the Dragon. Ah. And I saw what Bruce Lee did to those guys. And I, the first thing that popped into my mind was this guy throwing me around the room, beating me up. And, and I could just feel the pain in my imagination of what was going to happen. So I next morning, I called every school in the city. And fortunately for me, Karate International was the school that answered the telephone. And that's how I got started. You know, my motivation for sport karate and desire to become a champion uh, was started that very first day. I'd never seen a karate magazine and I'm walking out of the door of a convenience store and then the word karate catches my eye. And I go over to the magazine rack and I pull it out in this karate illustrate. And as a picture on the inside cover of Chuck Norris holding this huge trophy cup, I knew at that very moment, I wanted to be like Chuck Norris. I wanted to have my a trophy cup. I'd never won anything in, in, uh, in my life. I never played any sports. <laughs> Last kid to get picked on anybody's team. So mm -hmm. that's the way it really got started was just trying to make sure I didn't get beat up too badly. 
And it was one of the greatest moments, uh, changes in my life was that very moment of beginning my study into the martial arts. So what, what do you remember about maybe like your first one or two classes? What kind of stood out and what made you want to stick with it, you know, with that specific school and style? Well, first thing was ignorance that you didn't know anything all at all about the martial arts. I'm coming into the martial arts still in this era that, you know, that you had to be tested before you would actually, the teacher would accept you. And I remember going into the office and my instructor was Jerry Souter. And I've taken the class. I just want to learn something that I don't get beat up. And he says, let me show you karate. He stood me about probably six inches off the wall, put his fist in my chest and gave a loud key <laughs> and almost shoved me through the wall. I'm going, I just want to study karate. I mean, I thought I was getting beat up in the office. Then he says, sit down and sign up then. I'm going, okay. <laughs> you know. So that was my first encounter. And I truly believe that you know, God has a purpose in everyone's life. And it was my purpose at that time, that moment to be directed to the martial arts. And, you know, as I look back, you know, almost 50 years ago, and I, I still believe that everything I do is because I'm working on fulfilling that purpose to have an impact on the martial arts because I realize how much of a powerful tool it is for helping someone to discover themselves and make positive changes in their lives with the right teacher. Nice. Yeah. And you mentioned that with the right teacher. It's, it's so important to find that. So you obviously got lucky and found that right teacher. And now you also mentioned competition. So what was it that you, you mentioned you had never done anything before? You saw the trophy with Chuck Norris. Do you remember your first tournament you entered? And kind of what was that like? What that oh, experience I remember was like? the first year. Oh, wow. I lost every event. Really? Know, at least uh, once to twice a month, we were going to a tournament. And I remember uh, we used to have testing in tournaments, Karate International was one of the largest organizations in North Carolina and, you know, schools in Charlotte, Greensboro, Winston-Salem and Raleigh, and everybody came together to test and to do tournaments. And that first year I lost every event. My teacher started teaching me about meditation and visualization, seeing myself winning, all of that stuff. But, you know, that still really wasn't working uh, for me. And I was doing, during a test, I failed my green belt test. No, I'm sorry, my purple belt test. And I started teaching martial arts when I was a green belt under our master instructor. And uh, I thought the guys were, you know, angry with me. They didn't like me. And I was, I was quitting. Uh, that was it. I was quitting karate. And I, I went outside to my 1976 Monte Carlo and I threw all my stuff in the trunk to never, never, ever go, come back to karate class again. And one of the people I was teaching, her name, name was Emma Mitchell, and her and a couple other people followed me out to my car. And, and I remember her saying, okay, so what if we fail our test? Should we quit? And I turned and I looked at her and I said, no. I grab my stuff out of the car and I go back in. I get suited up for fighting and I win my first first place trophy. Wow. I'm 22 years old sleeping with my trophy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but no, I, I, I didn't. I wasn't successful. I wasn't a, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't a good student. My teacher always believed in me and always supported me. 
but I failed at everything I ever attempted uh, in my life until that day. And, you know, 2000 trophies, two world titles later and all this other stuff. And, you know, but it transferred it into all parts of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, you know, and I understood winning. I understood the mental game, the mental game. I understood it. I was able to teach it. I was able to do it. And, you know, that, that was a big change in my life that day of failing my purple belt test. And I tell people now that just cause you fail, it might be your opportunity of greatness. So what do you think, you know, so many other people, you've, you've, if you've heard stories like that, you know, they'll enter four or five, six tournaments and not win, they'll give up. So what was it that, you know, other than that one moment when you finally won, but up until then, what made you keep wanting to go through that competition, realizing I haven't won yet, I've never won, I've never won. What, what was it inside you that kind of drove you to keep putting yourself through that and going through that competition? Well, it was, it was, it was also about the expectation of my teacher. Okay. You know, he expected me to show up. You know, my first event I ever went to, this was right before my, my, the sing, our senior master instructor took over the Raleigh, North Carolina school. And I remember I was, I, I took a group of guys to my job because I wanted them to see me in my uniform to know that I am somebody now. I'm a karate guy and I'm wearing my blue belt. And, and I, in my uniforms all pressed out and everything. And I'm just there to sort of show these guys, I know karate now, <laughs> you know, cause there's this huge group of people there and they all know karate. And one of my instructors uh, yelled across the room, Hey, Jesse, are you going to fight? And I'm yelling, and I yelled back, no. <laughs> and as I, as the word no comes out of my mouth, our senior master instructor is passing in front of me. It's like I'm yelling in his ear <laughs> and it stops right in front of me. That was our first meeting. Oh, wow. I, you know, I feared this guy because I'd already heard he was like Godzilla or somebody. And he's standing in front of me. He says, where are you from? I said, Raleigh. He says, pay your money and fight. I'm going, <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. So that's how I really got, got started in my very first tournament was that of his expectation of, you know, pay your money and fight. I wasn't about to tell him no. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And then he became our, our, my, my uh, instructor. And he, he, he was also like my dad. Uh, He was the first person to to tell me that I had potential. I could be, and just from those words of encouragement inspired me to want to impress him every day of my life, you know, for that past, you know, almost 47, 48 years. Wow. So now you mentioned you started teaching as a green belt. Was that something you, you seeked out, you wanted to teach, or was that something that was kind of thrown upon you? Well, I was initially, you know, in the morning classes, I was pretty much the only student in there, you know, a couple other people were there and I knew as much as the brown belts when I was a green belt. Okay. And my job had switched from an uh, evening to uh, I became on day shift. So my instructor says, well, I want you to help me in class. I'm going to give you $25 a week. So I became a paid instructor at Greenbelt. Nice. And that was, it wasn't the money. It was really the opportunity. You know, you have to go back. This is 1975. $25 is still a lot of money. And it was uh, that opportunity and his, ex- and I go back to his expectation. 
you know, I never, whatever he told me to do, I would do it, you know, and because I always trusted his decision, you know, and I think that that's what the martial arts, that relationship you want to build with your students is a place that they trust their teacher and you should be a good leader to make sure that you lead the student to that place that will impact their lives. So when did the idea come to open your own school? Uh, Well, I never wanted to open my school. I was teaching and I'm single and, and and I'm competing, I'm winning. So, you know, after I, after that first tournament, I couldn't lose anymore. You know, I became the top competitor in our organization, one of the top competitors in North Carolina as a brown belt. We had to compete against even in the black belt. So I'm having a blast. I'm winning those trophies I never, I never, you know, had in my life, those awards, that the recognition. And uh, after a tournament, my instructor, we, he used to hold, host tournaments in the mall. And after the mall would sponsor it, and after won a huge tournament, he says, Jesse, I want you to go to dinner with me. Come to dinner with me tonight. And I said, yes, sir. So we're, we're eating. We finish eating. He's counting the money, you know, from the event. And he, he's counting out two stacks of money. And he pushes, he shoves the, the larger stack of money to me. He says, now, next week, you go to Durham and you open up your school. I'm going like, <laughs> and I guess it was maybe $3,000 or something like that. And I never seen that much money in one place in my life. And I'm going, uh, and I wasn't about to tell him no. I mean, because I, you know, that's the type of relationship you know, he had expectations. I fulfilled the expectations. And uh, so that's how I opened up my first school. I, I Durham is about mm, 30 miles from Raleigh. And I found a building and I opened the school. Uh, he actually uh, ran the school during the day. And I ran, taught the evening classes. And I would say within 30 to 45 days, my school was a success. Wow. And, you know, I drove on uh, the parking lot of Rockwell International with my uh, Corvette <laughs> and put my toolbox in the back of my car and rode off into the sunset. And everyone was saying, you'll be back. You know, that was uh, that was 40 plus years ago. Wow. That's actually really cool. You know, that's, I know that's something a lot of people get into it with, you know wanting to do it and never do. And you got in having no interest in doing it and ended up running a very successful school. So you just never know what, what the plan is for you. (laughs) Well, the key part that made, you know, my entry into the martial arts business, I started, I I started teaching uh, and owning my school as a business. And that's my instructor. As I said, it was a franchise organization And, you know, so he gave me a franchise because of my loyalty to him as a student and his belief in me. Uh, He had started his own uh, college, a martial arts uh, college, where you you had to have at least an associate degree in business management before they would sell you a franchise. So I had already been completely through that program. But. I started into the martial arts as a business, not because of I, I want to go, I want to teach someone. I started because I wanted to run a business. And my motivation for that was that, you know, I'm working and making probably six, seven dollars an hour. And our Raleigh school 
had a month of revenue of over ten thousand dollars. You know, do the math on that. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so uh, I'm going okay. So that so getting into the martial arts business and running a business and starting to be financially successful as a school owner, that was my drive and always about continuing to educate myself to become a better leader and a better business person. Okay, wonderful. Now, you started teaching, you said around 1975. What do you think has changed about your teaching style over the years? Uh, I would say knowledge and and compassion. Knowledge meaning that I didn't just study karate. Uh, my background is judo and aikido, and you know mindfulness meditation, dynamic meditation. So I'm a meditation coach, um, a certified sports hypnosis coach. So I began to get into the mental aspects of what made me, okay, me as in Jesse, that person, and I was now had turned to success in my competition. I use that mental visualization of expectation to be successful in my business. So it was the, it was the mindset that I, I, I knew the technique, but I really understood how I work, how the mind works, how do you achieve success? How do you mentally visualize success? And how do you, how do you trust your intuition when it comes to success and when it comes to life. So what led to the teaming up with UNC football in the eighties and kind of how did that whole thing start and, and talk about that experience a little bit? Well, I was already at Duke. I started uh, teaching at Duke university. I started their martial arts program in uh, 19 and oh man, uh, 78. And I was already at I was already at Duke and Jeff Madden, who was the strength and condition coach, my martial arts school was fairly close to his home. So he enrolled his boys into my martial arts program. And he saw the things that I was doing, all the mental stuff I was doing, uh, the demand for respect, the 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 expectations of excellence in technique. And so he invited me to come over and teach the guys a few things about martial arts. Well, I went over and I taught them about, you know, hand movements, uh, the projection, power of key. And I, I taught them about the mental part of seeing themselves succeeding. So they went on to win, uh, you know, a championship. And so it was just, you know, they, they looked at it and says, well, these are all, all of the ingredients that helped us to be able to win a championship. So let's keep all this together. So I was with them for five season, seasons. Uh, and then when Mac Brown, when they left Torbush, I was with him for about another two seasons, introducing martial arts principles into football. But, you know, we worked with basketball. Uh, you know, I'm a professional bowler. So bowling was one of the things I taught at Duke. And I turned pro uh, in 2002 on the PBA tour. I won 40 amateur titles uh, before turning pro. And uh, I have a book out and audio program is called Zen Bowling. Oh, wow. This is Psychology of Better Bowling. So, you know, we have basketball CDs out. We have golfing CDs out. 
Uh, we have uh, martial arts uh, CDs out. We have a whole line of just visualization and mindfulness training products. So did any of the athletes you worked with through these programs end up sticking with martial arts and, and continuing to train in martial arts exclusively after you know their college sports were done and stuff? Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't know of any that, okay. you know, you know, these guys, Brian Simmons and a lot of the guys were at Carolina. They went on and, you know, did other things. I have no idea whether they actually stuck with it or not. Okay. It'd be interesting to find out. I mean, cause you know, you know, you hear the story of like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he started doing that right, type of stuff right, with Bruce right. Lee and stuck with it. And it's curious. I know every now and then you hear about some type of athlete who does martial arts and you kind of wonder where it started. So. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, I've, I've had the blessed opportunity to work with a lot of athletes, but I don't, uh, I don't know uh, if any of them had continued. Now, when we think about the martial arts, you, we have the physical side, but I'm hoping that the attributes of my training program, those things are still w- there with them. Okay. So you mentioned the, you know, the books you've written. So when did that start? When did you first have the idea to write a book? And I know definitely like your, your who's who in martial arts are obviously some of your most popular ones, but just kind of talk about when, when you first had the idea or did someone else approach you with an idea to, to start writing books? Well, my first book was in the early, uh, about the mid eighties and digital cameras were coming out and we created our first training manual for my students. And, you know, we got a commercial printer and we just, you know, we, we, we had the software, uh, we put, put our own book together and that book for <laughs> even today hasn't changed. Uh, it's published on Amazon, but the, our basic manual was the, my first publication. And then when I started doing motivational speaking and when I started doing seminars, we started publishing books change your mind, change your life success guide, the new you self-discovery system, uh, law of attraction, your thoughts determine your destiny. So when I started to uh, do seminars, I started to create the books to give me credibility as an author, but also as a speaker. So my books were never intended. I didn't have the thought whether or not they would become a bestseller but they were sort of like workbooks and they were training books to support my seminars and which was good because you know my two day seminars were about $500 a person to attend and you know we generally have anywhere from 20 to 30 people that would attend my seminars so the book was a part of it uh of the success of the program but I, I really never thought about the book selling by itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess uh, in uh, 2015, uh, I published a book, Who's Who in the Martial Arts Autobiography. And, and that was only to be given to my teacher. And I was already hosting tournaments, already hosting awards banquets. And so we did the awards banquet. And I had about 20 martial artists that I featured in the book, uh, which my teacher knew uh, had a big uh, dedication to his partner who had passed away. And that was just scheduled to be it. There wasn't another book planned beyond that. Mm -hmm. And my good friend, uh, Grandmaster Joe Corley, he was at the event and says, hey, let's, why don't we do this in Atlanta? 
And so we brought together a group of people that, never, that had not seen each other in years, and we published the uh, second edition of the Who's Who in the Martial Arts Biography book, and that has Cynthia Rothrock on the cover. And actually, next weekend, I'm going to be doing something with Cynthia, uh, which is going to be a Cynthia Rothrock day. And Cynthia was on the cover of the first book. Oh, cool. And that book just exploded. Uh, you know, we had we 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 had people uh, wanting to be a part of it. And here we are with eight books later. Wow. Uh, tomorrow we're releasing our first magazine. Okay. So we are now a full-blown publishing company. We're publishing for other people. Sifu Allen Goldberg, we're publishing his Action Hall of Honors history book. Uh, Willie Bam Johnson, we're pr- promoting... Nice and publishing the first children's book, all to be released at uh, Sifu's event coming up in January in New Jersey. Okay, very cool. You'll have to uh, say hi to Cynthia for me. I'm actually going to, been trying to schedule an interview with her. We've been, you know, she's been very busy traveling a lot, but I'll be hopefully interviewing her soon on the, on the show. So looking forward to that one. I'll send you a link. Uh, We have another partnership magazine and we just featured her on the cover oh, cool. of that particular magazine. So I'll send you a link, uh, the digital link, so you can check it out. You can give you a chance to see you know, some of the things that we're doing uh, with the digital magazines. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Talk a little bit about the, the American Martial Arts Alliance Foundation that you started, the nonprofit. Okay, well, I was already, so one of the other duties I had under my teacher, I was the regional director for the American Martial Arts Association. And uh, I was that for probably about 15 years. And, you know, I decided that, okay, uh, it, it's, it's good, but the organization is growing and people in the organization are having different, uh, you know, they have different thoughts and what they want to do. And some of them were not meeting with what I wanted to do. But the real big decision was that I had an opportunity to travel to Hawaii. I got a letter stating that I could try out for the U.S. national team. And I was <laughs> under the assumption, this was back in 2001, I was under the assumption that this organization was affiliated with the Olympic Committee. Okay. And the letter goes on and, you know, that I had a chance to go to Hawaii and try out. And if I, if I uh, was one of the top four winners, then I would be going to Greece and representing the U S and, you know, so I bought into it and, and uh, you know, I called the person and says, yes, you know, all this is true. And I'm going, okay. So I, I was an eighth degree black belt. And I, and I said, okay, I dropped 20 in 30 days. I dropped 20 pounds. I got in the best shape of my life. And I took one myself and one of my students that was going to be my coach. And we went, we go to, we go to Hawaii and we get to Hawaii. And I found out that this is just a ripoff. This is a scam. This person is not affiliated or anything. But anyway, I won the, I won the forms competition, the weapons, the open hand, finished fourth place in the fighting. And I was just so frustrated from that. And I didn't realize until I got back. I, I actually get a letter for one of the organization that was a part of the uh, Olympic Committee, and they're telling me that, okay, you didn't qualify. <laughs> you know, you have to join our organization to qualify. And I just got very angry, and I decided I would start my own organization, an organization that doesn't have politics going on. 
It has a set of rules and everybody, including myself, we follow the rules. And, you know, so that's where we got started. And I started by hosting the Who's Who. You know, it was the American Martial Arts uh, Hall of Fame, the AMA Hall of Fame. And I did that for, you know, probably about seven, eight years, started my own karate league. Uh, We had our teams and, and all of that stuff. And I hosted the Durham Karate Open Championship for uh, 40 events. I created the AMA Nationals that ran for about 16 events. And, uh, you know, that's sort of where we got started. And, and then I got involved in the books and I just let the sport karate part of it go. And we're really hoping to get that started back up again. But that was, that was it. I got started because, you know, I, I got ripped off. I was lied to and I lost the trust in that organization and really trusting anyone else. So I decided to start my own organization. Hey, sometimes you just got to do it that way. And I, and I like that you mentioned, you know, without the politics, because I think sometimes, not sometimes, pretty much any time politics gets involved in martial arts, it ruins it. Well, you know, that's the reason why with the American Martial Arts Alliance, with the so there are two parts. There's the foundation and there's the institute. Uh, the foundation, our objective is to support the martial arts in education. So I have online courses that people can go to to learn about business management, about uh, person development training. And, you know, our goal is to uh, support individuals that are members of our organization to provide scholarships, to provide financial support if they are going through our educational programs. Uh, You know, we're really looking forward to starting our Christian martial arts program. And that program is to be able to support kids that may not have an opportunity or resource to study the martial arts, then we're going to provide them their uniforms. We're going to provide them their sparring equipment, everything that they need to be successful in the martial arts. So we're looking for those teachers that will actually fit in that mold, that mold of being, of helping people uh, in the 21st century to become successful martial arts students, not only in the martial arts, but in life itself. That's great. I love that. That's, it's a, a great mission, great philosophy to have. And, and I'm, thank you for doing that. That's cool. Let's say someone approaches you. Uh, they've never met you before, but they heard you do martial arts and they're like, I'm thinking of getting involved in martial arts. What type of tips would you give them? What to look for, what to avoid? Well, the very first thing is what I said in the beginning. You know, I was fortunate because I found a very good teacher. Well, what you have to do is to understand, you know, why do you want your child or why do you want to study the martial arts? That's number one, because it it becomes about you. Uh, The second thing, when you now look for a teacher, is finding someone that will offer you your basic interest for wanting to get involved in the martial arts. You want to go to the, you want to be able to go and, you know, and, and take a class. Most schools offer a three lesson introductory program. Then you go and you take an introductory class. And if it feels right, then that's possible. Possibility is right. Check out the instructor in the 21st century, go online, make sure he's not a sex offender or doesn't have a criminal record. Now, I know people that have, you know, that have been in trouble and have done things and they have moved on, they've learned, and they have built a whole foundation of success from that bad experience. 
when I'm talking about, you know, you know, people are also predators. Mm -hmm. So you want to know about that martial arts uh, instructor. And if you'll just ask the people in his school, majority of times, you'll find out a lot about the instructor and uh, what type of student are they attracting? You know, what are, what are their philosophies? So it doesn't matter about the style of martial arts. Mm -hmm. It really matters about the quality of the person, you know, for myself, I would want to know that that instructor is accomplished and accomplished means that that person is still growing in their art, not only about, you know, getting ready for their next belt test. What else are they doing? I think that becoming a coach is a critical thing for martial artists that want to teach leadership. Then you take classes and you become a certified coach in some form of leadership and you bring that information back to your students. And now you build a school that's not just based on martial artists. Uh, I think my success as a school owner was that I understood that I had to every day not just uh, perform and satisfy my students' needs, but I also had to satisfy the needs of my parents. So I tried to uh, have all of my classes that they could also be educational to parents and having the parents to be involved. So a school that brings the parents in and really not only teaches the kids, but that also supports the parents to learn, okay, this is what we're doing. We're teaching discipline, and this is how we uh, work on to uh, instill discipline. When you walk through the door, uh, you know, you know, in the past 15 years, texting and kids with phones and they text all day and <laughs> And they lose their communication. I'm not knocking texting, right. you know, but the, the, the communication. So when you come to the dojo, then communication is important. So my students walking in the door, they would have to say, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. And right in front of everyone, because that takes a lot of confidence to do yep. that. Even if I'm teaching my class, I would say, hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm great, sir. You know, that confidence in their voice. And before they come on the mat, they would, they would scream out. Yes, I can. And when they leave the mat, yes, I can. Nice. And they have their student creed. So now the focus uh, for our school was really building character in a person. So I would say, you know, looking to see, does that school help to build character in your, in your child? If you're going in for self-defense, is that program set up to teach you uh, self-defense? I mean, so you just, just, and if you're uncertain, then go to several schools and take their introductory class. And if you're committed to studying the martial arts, out of that, make a selection of which school fits your need best. Nice. That's great advice. So now you, you started in primarily traditional martial arts, and obviously you got into the competition part of it. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC and kind of how that's just exploded into the world of martial arts over the last 20 some years? Well, I think that, you know, hey, the mixed martial arts, uh, I think Bruce Lee was your first mixed martial artist. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that studied martial, mixed martial arts. I actually introduced mixed martial arts as a part of physical education at Duke. Nice. And it's the new generation because, you know, we have a generation that's, that may not want to have the discipline and structure 
that a karate program or uh, let's say a taekwondo program may have. So uh, I worked on, uh, you know, teaching everything I could possibly teach to my students that would help to make them better. So now you, you know, you've mentioned a lot of martial artists in our conversation. You've mentioned Bruce Lee and you've mentioned people like you know, Pat Johnson and stuff. If you had to pick one martial artist to put at the top of your list for someone you just truly admire for, you know, how, you know what they've done in the world of martial arts and what they've accomplished, can, can you pick just one or maybe maybe one or two? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, my heroes or people that I really do respect, and I respect all martial artists, but mm-hmm. uh, the people that have really... Uh, uh, empowered my life. Uh, I would say that speaking from here, I would say Joe, my teacher, of course, but uh, Joe Corley, the Battle of Atlanta, nice. uh, you know, the things that he did uh, for sport karate uh, through the Battle of Atlanta, uh, you know, he would have to be one of those people that I really, really super respect. And, and we generally talk about at least once a week. And, uh, you know, I consider him as a mentor for, uh, for my martial arts as and also for the book. So he's been a big supporter and a big part of making you know the book successful. I would go to Joe Lewis. Okay. Uh, Joe Lewis, uh, you know, because I he's from Nightdale, North Carolina. And Nightdale is right outside of Raleigh. So when he was in town, he trained at our school. Okay. So he taught a lot of he taught me a lot of things about fighting. And those things really helped me as a champion. I would say Bill Wallace, uh, you know, Jeff Smith. uh, All of those guys are out of my era. John Chung, uh, you know, John's another person that really inspired inspired me as a competitor and and also as a friend. And, uh, you know, Cynthia Rothrock. uh, uh, So, you know, there's quite a few people that are at the top and, Probably if you open up the pages of any of my books, you see the people that have that have inspired me. Mm-hmm. You, know, you pretty much see them on the front, you know, on the front page uh, uh, of the first 15 pages of the book. Ernie Reyes, mm, uh, nice. Ron Van Cleef. And, and so, you know, those I, I'm in this great place that I get a chance to write about people that have inspired me. And as, as I said before, uh, you know, this past uh, we have a magazine coming out tomorrow, but uh, this year we we wrote the we we have a new series. So you have the Who's Who in the Martial Arts series. You have the Martial Arts Masters and Pioneers, and now we have uh, the Martial Arts Changing Lives, and then we also have the uh, uh, Martial Arts Extraordinaire uh, book. So those are the two books that we've written this year. And so now we are creating a magazine, which is the Martial Arts Extraordinaire. This magazine is designed to support the books and continue to uh, support the education of who are these people in the martial arts that's actually built the foundation for martial arts of yesterday, today, and who are still inspiring the future of martial arts. Nice. I'm looking forward to some of those new books. I'll have to check them out for sure. So I'm sure throughout your years in martial arts, you've learned lots of different philosophies and, and different sayings and stuff that you use. Is there one that stands out as a philosophy you've learned that you, you know, keep coming back to and, and use a lot yourself? Not really from the philosophy. 
You okay. know, there I have affirmations. Okay. And you know, and one of the affirmations that uh, you know that I that I use is from the program that I that I studied my meditation under, which is called Silva Method, and that's S I L V A, and which was going you know going back into the '60s was one of the first uh, mind development type programs. And better, better, and better. As someone were to ask me, well. How you doing today, Jesse? Better, better, and better. That's all you're going to get. I don't, I don't do negative conversations. I don't do negative talk. Someone, how you doing? Better, better, and better. No matter what's going on, better, better, and better. Okay. And I find myself sometimes, you know, every day, and in, you know, every day and every way, I become better, better, and better. Every day and every way, I become better, better, and better. So that is one of the affirmations that for the past forty years, that a day doesn't go by that I don't really, that I don't say that, you know, uh, you know, so that's, you know, but a lot of, you know, I'm also a spiritual person, you know, my wife, we have a, uh, a church here in Greenville, North Carolina, it's called mm-hmm. Greater Vision Christian Church, I just published my first uh, Christian book back here in September, okay. it's called God Gives Me Vision, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I, that I use to keep me in the track or in the path that I believe my life should follow for oh. where I am now. It's a great, I like that better, better, better. I like that. It's really good. All right. So I have a, three more questions, kind of some fun ones to wrap it up. Now this one, you, you can't pick one of your own, but do you have a favorite martial arts book? <laughs> uh, favorite martial arts book. Oh, wow. Can I pick one of my own? <laughs> yep. Well, I, okay. Well, I have one that's called a, uh, Black Belt Leadership 101, and that's by John Terry. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, and I, I've just actually met John a few months ago and uh, have a copy of his book. And it's really a really a, a great book. It's, you know, it's about leadership. Uh, so I would say that's right now, that's the, the top of my books, uh, of the books that I'm really in, that I'm really, that I'm reading right now. And most of my books are, you know, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, type books, uh, you know, Brian Tracy type books, you know, those types of things. Uh, but yeah, when I think of, uh, you know, I'm old school. So, you know, uh, Jack Canfield, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, those are kind of books that I try to look at. You know, I, I do videos, I do audio, you know, audible books. I, I constantly try to keep myself educated. I just finished a course on becoming a certified goals coach. Uh, got another course, you know, I'm a publisher, but I'm getting ready to take a course to become a certified uh, publisher. Okay. So that, you know, I mean, because I want to know everything about the business. And that's sort of what happens a lot is that whatever I'm doing, I don't do it. I study it. And I want, because I want to know everything about it. If I want to invest my time and energy, I want to know every possible thing I can know about what I'm doing in that. But, you know, I enjoy, I, I do more audible books okay. uh, because it's the easiest thing for me to maximize uh, my time. Nice. Oh, that makes sense. All right. So favorite martial arts TV show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Uh, TV show. I would had Kung Fu. Nice. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, the David Carradine, I, yep. I guess that, that, that'll have to be, uh, you know, th- that series of shows and, and watching that it used to be, you know, black belt theater. I had all these different, you know, martial arts shows on. 
Uh, but now if I had to go back and say, you know, off the top of my, if you ask that question, what pops into my mind first, I would probably have to say Kung Fu. That's probably been about a third of my guests have given that answer. So it's not definitely not a bad one to pick. So mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, nice. And then final question. Do you have a favorite martial arts movie? Oh yeah. I have the movie that I talk to people about that impacts their lives right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that is the last samurai. Ah, yes. You know, I love The Last Samurai because the reason I like The Last Samurai, number one, it has a good storyline to it, Mm -hmm. but it also talks about traditional. And so many times we're connected with tradition, but we have to realize that we cannot stop progress. You know, we cannot stop progress. So I think that movie was one of the best illustrations that, pro- you know, you can't stop progress. Right. And you may be a traditional, but what you have to do, time moves on. You know, life is an, is an evolution. You know, it's forever changing. So you have to be able to adapt yourself to the changes in time. And I meet so many martial artists, you know, uh, I'm not going to get on that Zoom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you're going to, what are you... This, the pandemic has proven, then you're going to need to close your school. Yep. You know, you know, you know, well, I don't want to do it. Well, I've done it this way for, I don't know how many, Hey, listen, that's old. You know, that's the type of thing. It's not going to be working. No, I agree. I know so many people were just even against just video series for martial arts for so many years. And, and now they're fully embracing teaching through zoom, which is you know, essentially the same thing. I mean, obviously there's, you know, with video, you know, like a v- VHS tape, you didn't have that feedback like you could get through zoom, but still kind of just the, the evolving of it and, and how we teach. Well, I used to feel that way about texting, you know, when texting first started coming out and I'm going, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, somebody want to talk to me, pick up a telephone and call me. And we were at a meeting at Duke University and it was the end of, we get ready to break for Christmas. And my boss, there was about 25 people in a room. He says, how many of you text? And he had all these abbreviations up there for texting and, you know, LOL and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, and, and only about, maybe about a third of the room knew. And my boss, he just made a statement that, really had an impact on me. He says, well, this is Duke University. And if your students are texting, then you need to be texting. Ah. I'm going, whoa, or else you need to find a new job. I'm going, whoa, that is serious. So guess what I started doing? (laughs) I started learning how to text. There you go. You know, but that's, but that's that progress. And that's what Duke said. You know, if, if your students are texting, then you need to know how to text. You know, what your students are doing and they're interacting, you need to be able to be, if they want to, Zoom is the only way for you to do classes, then you you do classes because this is where your students are and this is what they're doing. Or, you know, yeah, you probably should just shut your school down. That's good. That's good. Great. It's kind of a good, good way to end it there. But I just, I just want to thank you, sir, for, for doing this and being on the show. I, I truly appreciate it. Loved learning more about your story and said, you can only learn so much from reading. It's always good to hear it. You know, them talking about it themselves and, and explaining some things. And, and I, I love everything you've accomplished and you're still working on. And, and I'm definitely going to be ordering some more of your books that I didn't know about. And I are actually, uh, I copied the link for your bowling book. I have a, a, a friend whose son is 
a diehard bowler and wants to be a professional bowler. So I'm definitely going to this hand than it was in the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, and, uh, you know, and and that's, and that's what I'm about is really, uh, I'm blessed with the opportunity to do things that I never even thought about doing, you know, uh, with Duke CE or Duke corporate education, uh, you know, they're rated as one of the top executive training firms in the world. Wow. You know, I speak at Nike, Raytheon, uh, you know, you know, Swiss Re, and all these places that I never actually believed or ever thought about that I would be able to do. And I've been, you know, blessed with opportunities. And that's what I'm just trying to share with uh, individuals through our books that your that your life has value. You know, don't waste a perfectly good life. That's great. Awesome. Well, I, I truly appreciate your time and I, I, I will put links for all of your stuff on the show notes when the show comes out. And, and I, once again, just, it's been an honor speaking to you, sir. All right. Yeah. Just let me know. And, uh, you know, anytime that I can, uh, you know, do something to support you or whatever, I'll send you a link to the magazine. I'll send you a link to both of the magazines so you can take a look at, you know, okay. So what, what is this magazine about? What do you get? What are you guys doing? Awesome. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.